All right, for the rest of you that are staying with us, a um, couple of scriptures I want you to look up in your, in your Bibles. So uh, for those of you that uh, use the Bible, uh, look up Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 9, and then go over to the New Testament, put your finger there, go to the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 18. If you are using a telephone, I know that uh, you know, Bible apps don't let you look up two verses at the same time typically, so you have to kind of you know, hurry up and get there. All right, for those of you that won't be doing that, can't do that, um, it will be on the screen for you in just a few moments uh, for you to uh, uh, be able to follow along uh, today as we look at the Scripture. So we're going to ask you in just a moment uh, to stand again to your feet. Um, do two things. One, before we read the Word of the Lord, as you stand up, just turn around and wave to your neighbor around you. Tell them you're glad they're here to worship the Lord with you today. Go ahead and stand up. Wave at your neighbor. Tell them, tell them you're glad you're here. Good to see each and every one of you here. Glad the Lord has been good to you this week. All right, now turn around and pay attention to me and try not to fall asleep. All right. The first verse that we want to look at is found in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 19 and verse 9. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 9. The writer of Proverbs gives us this word. It says, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Now, if you've got your Bibles and your finger in there, turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 18, the writer of Hebrews shares this with us. It says, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. All right, Lord, we just pray that, Father, as the writer of Proverbs gives us this uh, instruction that a lying tongue and lying lips shall uh, not go unpunished, and then the writer of Hebrews reminds us that, that we all ought to have a good conscience, that our lives as Christians ought to be living honestly before the world around us, so that when others look into our life, they can trust what we're saying. Lord, today I pray that as we take a few moments to look at your word today, I've just been uh, reminded, O oh Lord, of the great need for honesty and Lord, the, the reality is the world around us, uh, Father, is all um, but honest. And, and so, Lord, we as Christians need to be the difference makers. And so, Father, I pray that you would cause your people to hear your word today, cause your people to hear the challenge today, cause your people to not only hear but to do and to respond in obedience today so that you would be glorified, honored, and praised. Now, Lord, I ask that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that you, O Lord, uh, would uh, be lifted up and glorified, and, Lord, that we would know that we can trust you today. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. In doing some research this week in preparations for the sermon today, I tell you, honestly, there was a time or two that I got rather depressed. I got really depressed at what I was reading as I was looking at statistics and I was looking at studies and looking at uh, um, how the world looks at honesty 
to the point that I had to find some, some encouraging things to add into the sermon so that uh, you would not walk away depressed as I was several times this week. So in that, there are some, hopefully, some funny things that I'm going to share with you today as well. I want to begin with a little story. And at the end of the Sunday service, Pastor Mike told his congregation, next week my sermon will be about the virtue of honesty. And to help you to understand it better, I would like all of you to read in preparation, Leviticus chapter 28 for next week's sermon. The following week, at the start of his sermon, Pastor Mike asked the congregation, how many of you have read Leviticus 28? Great congregation, all of them raised their hand in obedience and said, yes, we have. To which Pastor Mike responded as he smiled and said, Hmm, interesting, Leviticus only has 27 chapters. Now I will begin my sermon on the virtue of honesty. I start my sermon this morning talking about what does honesty really look like with that in mind. It is not just the world around us that shades the truth. It's not just the world around us that out now lies. It's not the world outside the church that, that uh, has, has shielded themselves from, um, you know, being honest. It falls back into the church as well. I want to talk to you today about the virtue of honesty. Virtue is morally good behavior or character. It is the thinking and the doing of what is good and the avoidance of what is not good. In other words, it is moral excellence. The virtue that we're going to be zeroing in on today is honesty, which signifies conveying the truth both in word and in deed. This quality is an essential aspect of God's own nature and purpose, and is expected of those whom he calls his people. A person of integrity is one who follows his or her moral or ethical conviction and does the right thing in all circumstances, especially when it is not convenient, even when no one else seems to be watching. Having integrity means that you are true to the sound and godly principles that would not do anything to dishonor God and your own values. It means that you have a moral compass that you do not waver from. It literally means having wholeness of character. In essence... Integrity is regarded as the honesty and trustworthy, trustfulness or accuracy of your actions. A key test of integrity is what we do when you face adversities compared to what you do in times of prosperity. Again, I want to give you a proverb that backs up what I just said. In Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 9, the writer of the Proverbs says, Least I be full and deny thee, 
Meaning that least I have everything of this world and then say I have no need of God, who is the Lord, or least I be so poor that I have to steal and take the name of my God in vain. The writer of Proverbs says that we should never be so full of the things of this world that we have no need for God, nor do we want God to allow us to be so poor that we would have to, to, to stoop to stealing to bring shame and reproach to the name of God. That would not go well with our integrity. I want to illustrate that with a little story, a baseball story. And everybody doesn't like baseball stories, I know. But everybody loves kids' stories, right? We just love it when they're, they're kids in the story. And this is actually a baseball story about a kid. So listen, I, I just love this story. It was actually a story that was written and published in, in, in Sports Illustrated many years ago. The game was being played in Wellington, Florida. In it uh, was a seven-year-old first baseman named Tanner Munsey. He fielded a ground ball and tried to tag the runner going from first to second base. The umpire, Laura Benson, called the runner out, but young Tanner immediately ran to her side and said, Ma'am, I didn't tag the runner. Umpire Benson reversed herself and sent the runner to second base. And Tanner's coach gave him the game ball for his honesty. Two weeks later, Laura Benson was again the umpire during the time when little Tanner was playing first base. So, as it goes, the time Benson, or, uh, Tanner was playing on a shortstop when a similar play occurred. This time, Benson ruled that, that Tanner had missed the tag on a running go runner going from third base. She called the runner safe. Tanner looked at Benson and without saying a word, tossed the ball to the catcher and returned to his position. Umpire Benson sensed something was wrong. So she asked young Tanner, did you tag out the runner? Tanner replied, yes I did. Benson then called the runner out. The opposing coach, of course, protested. He was rather upset until she explained what had happened two weeks earlier in the game. If a kid is honest enough, she said, I have to give it to him. This game is supposed to be about kids, after all. So the question I have for us, will Tanner be as honest when he is 37 as he was at the age of seven? The question that we all must ask is today, who is honest? Where are the Tanner Muncies in our world today? Does anyone today tell the truth anymore? What does honesty really look like in the world that we're living in today? So I want to share with you just a few things today that I hope that will draw your attention to the great need for us to look at this virtue and to consider how it applies to our life and whether or not we, the church, and I'm not talking about Midway Baptist, I'm talking we, the church, God's people, 
are living up to the God who lives in us. So let's talk about the importance of honesty, first of all. Honesty is of the utmost importance in human relations. Every social activity, every human experience requires um, that people to act in concert. And impeding uh, when people aren't honest with one another. The honesty that I'm talking about is not just informing an umpire that what you did or did not tag a base runner out. It's not just in truth telling. It is more in truth living. It is the honesty that the prophet Jeremiah sought when he in Jeremiah chapter 5 in verse 1 said this, Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, then I will forgive the city. It is the same honesty that the philosopher Dionysus sought in Athens, in Corinth, when he said this, With candle and lantern, when the sun shineth, I sought honest men, but none could I find. The Dionysus or Jeremiah find an honest person among us? Can we find an honest person in our society today? Here's where the depression part of my week came. I started looking at studies. One study said that the average person tells about 13 lies per week. Paul Aikman, professor of psychology at the University of California Medical School and author of the book of Telling Lies, has been studying lies for over 20 years. He's an expert at lies. He researched, has revealed that he didn't even realize when we are lying. The book, When America Told the Truth, claims that 30% of those consulted admitted that they would cheat on their taxes to a point. The assumption is a huge lie, um, you know, a huge lie uh, is likely to be audited more than small ones. A whopping 64% agreed with that statement. I will lie when it suits me so long as it doesn't cause any real damage. Is there ever a time a lie does not cause real damage? The moral and spiritual damage that lying does to the liar was apparently not pondered in their minds. Again, going on, USA Today cited a report that indicated that 58.4% of Americans have called in sick to get a day off from work. And 76% of Americans consistently speed over the speed limit. Anybody want to admit their guilt? I told Kevin this one yesterday. Sorry, Kev. All right. There was one study that I read that they had done where they went into a university and they went to each of the departments and asked each of the departments about lying. And it was amazing how many, they said, had lied. 
to the point that they went to the English department, the social department, and then they went to the uh, science department, and then they went to the political science department and said, we're not even going there. I thought, that's scary. So let me ask you, if there is an importance in honesty in our world today, if there is a need for honesty among us, let me ask you, in the last 24 hours, have you been completely honest? We live in a world that values the tolerance over truth. We live in a world that shades everything that it says. There's always an agenda. The narrative has to meet the agenda no matter how wildly the lie has to become. Isn't it about time that we who call ourselves followers of Christ, the one who himself called himself the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, and by the way, Erica was on vacation last week, and uh, so I told her just to set me out a bulletin for next week that I could use to print the bulletins on Friday. I didn't look at it until uh, Friday, and how fitting the Lord is. We're called to be followers of the one who called himself truth in a world that is filled with lies. Shouldn't it be that we as his followers are speaking words of truth? So that when we share the gospel with them, they know that we are speaking the truth? It is a great need and of great importance that once again, we the church stand upon the ground of honesty, of speaking the truth in a world that is filled with lies. The second thing that I want you to see is a biblical example of honesty. Now, the two texts that I chose just talked about lying and honesty. And I want you to, uh, we don't have time to look at this uh, as a picture, but uh, write it down if you would. In, in, in 2 Kings chapter 12, there's a great story. The whole chapter is really to do with this. It's an interesting story uh, about King Joash. Uh, as Joash was king of Judah, he noticed that the temple was in need of great repair. The mortar, the Bible tells us, was falling out from between the bricks. The walls were crumbling. Water damage was evident all around. The gold and the bronze of the temple were tarnished. There was trash and debris everywhere. So Joash decides that he is going to do a rebuild, a, 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 a freshening up of God's place. So he starts a fundraising program, just as we did to refresh in our children's Sunday school ring rooms and so that we can remodel the upstairs of the old sanctuary into Sunday school, we said we need to raise some money. I love how Joash did it. Joash took a big chest, he drilled a hole in the top of it, and put it at the temple doors. And he just simply said to the people, as you're coming into worship, leave your tithes, leave your offerings, leave the money, and we will use it for the refurbishing 
of God's house. So the story goes on that as, as the people had come in and out to worship, the, they dropped their money in the chest, and when the chest uh, became full of money, it was given to the building superintendents so that they could build and pay the carpenters and the stonemasons and the quarrymen and the timber builders and the stone merchants to buy the material needed to make God's house what it needed to be once again. So the question is, what do you think? that the builders, these building superintendents, did with that money. Like any other profession, there are always those dishonest building superintendents giving the honest superintendents a bad name. Some pocket the money. Others use the money to pay off old debts to get them out of trouble. Some still mismanage the funds trying to keep several projects going at once. But I wonder, how did Joash's superintendents deal with the task and the money? Well, the Bible tells us. And actually, in 2 Kings chapter 12, in, in verse 15, we find just how they handled themselves. The Bible says, no accounting was required. Nobody had to check up on them. Nobody had to say, did you spend every dollar the way that you said? Was every dollar accounted for? No accounting was required from the men who received the money to pay those doing the work since the work they worked with integrity. Now, I don't always use the NIV version in my preaching, or but I like the way the, the NIV use the wording here, so I'm going to give it to you. The latter part of that verse simply says they acted with complete honesty. They were trustworthy. No one needed to check up on them because they lived their word. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of people that I want building my house. That's the kind of people I want working around the church house. In fact, that's the kind of people I want to be hanging around. So there's the biblical story. And it's only one of many that we can find throughout the Scripture that tell us about this need and how God had created in individuals that integrity, that level of stepping above the things of the world. So we see how important it is. We see that there are biblical examples in which we can follow, both in the Old Testament, and I don't have time to go into the New Testament to give you those, because the last thing that I want to do is take a few moments of your time to share with you some important observations about honesty that we can get just from this one story. And so let me make some observations about honesty that you can take home and, and, and hopefully chew on in your life and in your heart and, and in your actions that can become a part of your makeup. The first observation that I find is that honesty is always the best policy. Haven't we heard that all of our lives? <laughs> I mean, we've heard that statement all of our lives, but yet it seems as though that we're living in a world that doesn't even understand what honesty is. But yet they're proclaiming honesty is always the best policy. 
So we know that we can't believe it from the world, but we had better be able to believe it from the Lord. And God's people ought to be able to stand in it. So here's my story. Coming home from work, a woman stopped at the corner deli to buy a chicken for supper. The butcher reached into the barrel, grabbed the last chicken that he had, and he flung it up on the scales behind the counter and told the woman its weight. She thought for a moment, pondering the weight. She said, oh, I really need a bigger chicken than that to feed the, the group I've got. Do you have any larger ones? Without a word, the butcher grabbed the chicken, put it back in the barrel, groppled around as if he was trying to find another, pulled the same chicken out, placed it on the scales, and said, this chicken weighs one pound more than the other. The woman pondered the options and then said to the butcher, okay, I'll take both of them, please. I don't know about you, but what that says to me is, Honesty is always the best policy. It's the only option that we have. Here's my second story. You teachers in the room are going to like this one. Four students arrive late to take a test. And what is your excuse, teacher says? We had a flat tire. Okay. Without getting upset, the teacher asked the students to take their seats. She said, the test is simple today. There's one question. Now that you're all sitting in your seats apart from one another, which tire went flat? I don't know, but I like those odds. I got a 25% chance of getting it right. <laughs> Honesty is still and always will be the best and only policy. It is, my friends. That's why the writer of Proverbs again wrote this in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only for a moment. Remember that. Honesty is always the best policy. Honesty makes you complete. Now, of course, I'm going to have to explain this. To be honest is to be real, to be genuine, to be authentic, to be a bona fide human being. To be dishonest is to be partly framed, forged, fake, or fictitious. Honesty expresses a disposition to live in light. Dishonesty seeks shade, cover, or concealment. It is the disposition to live partly in the dark. Now, I shared this with my Sunday school class this morning, but... In John's Gospel, we're reminded that when Jesus came, John's Gospel tells us the light of the world came into the world. The light. Light, we know, expels darkness so that we can see all around us. 
But the Bible tells us that John's gospel reminds us that as the light of the world came into the world, the world loved darkness rather than light because they, they didn't want their sin exposed. Honesty runs towards the light for clarity. Dishonesty hides in the shadows and in the darkness so that it's not exposed. Notice again what 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 15 reminds us of. What it says about these building superintendents, the fact that they worked with integrity or they acted in complete honesty. The building superintendents of Joash were completely honest and were, that made them complete. Now, we know the word, word complete in Scripture means mature, whole, all right? So we all want to be whole. We all want to be complete. We all want to be mature. We want to be men and women of integrity. However, the word complete actually comes from the word that means whole or integrity or to share a common value. And integrity comes from the word integer. For those of you that are math, Tony, all right, make sure I get this right. And we use the, in reference to numbers. Integers is considered a whole number, right? Yeah. I looked it up to make sure I was right because math's not my strong suit. Likewise, a person of integrity is a whole person or a complete person. And in the end, that is what we all should be striving to be. We should want to be like Jesus. For in the end, they don't say at our funeral or write on our tombstone how much money you made. They don't even put the title of your job on there. But oftentimes they refer to the kind of person that you were. In his book, Integrity, Ted Enstrom tells the story of another sports story. For Coach Cleveland Strahd, uh, the Bulldogs of Rockdale County High School in uh, Converse, Georgia, it was their championship season. They had 21 wins and only five losses. And on the way to the Georgia uh, Boys Basketball Tournament the, in the last of March, then a dramatic come-from-behind victory to the state finals. But now, the new glass trophy put up just for this particular trophy in the gymnasium remained bare. Because earlier this month, the Georgia High School Association dis, uh, deprived Rockdale County of the championship after school officials said that one of the players who was scholastically ineligible to play had played for 45 seconds in the first of the school's five postseason games. They said, but we didn't know that he was ineligible at the time. We didn't know until a few weeks ago. 
Mr. Stroud said. Some people have said that we should have kept it quiet about the fact that he had played just 45 seconds. And by the way, that player wasn't even an impact player. But he said to his players, you've got to be honest and write and do what the rules say. So I told the team that people forget scores of basketball games, but they don't forget what you are made of. Boy, now that's the kind of coach we want our kids to have. The third thing that we see is that honesty play, pleases God. You know, it's one thing to be honest in this world. The social ramifications of our dishonesty are great. But if you and I are only being honest because we want society to look at us in a certain way, then we're missing the big picture. We're missing the main reason why you and I that are sitting in this room or those that would be willing to listen to me should consider honesty as a trait in which they must have in their life. Because if ultimately we are not honest because we want to please God, then we are trying to be honest for all the wrong reasons and we will fail miserably. Yes, being honesty or honest for the world's sake is important, but it is much more important for us to be honest because it honors God. The proverb says in Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but a faithful people are his delight. As followers of Christ, we aren't honest because society tells us to be honest. Think about it. Society isn't honest. I mean, for them to say, be honest, I mean, that's talking out of two sides of their face. We know that. But when God says, be honest, He speaks because He is honest. He speaks because He always and only speaks the truth. He cannot lie. And when He tells us not to, it's because of His character and because of His nature. As followers of Christ, we aren't honest because society says to. Worst even rewards those who get away with dishonesty. I mean, think about it. It's evident. Look at our government. Look at our politicians. Look at our judicial system. Look at the businesses practices of our world today. Listen to what our schools oftentimes promote. The pervasive thought is that if you can get away with it, more power to you. In other words, it's not dishonest if you don't get caught. See, that's the world. Because they've shaded truth. They don't know what truth is anymore. But we have truth. We know truth. He lives within us. Shouldn't it be what comes out of us?
Christianity says truth is the norm. Our society says there is no right or wrong anymore. It's all relative. How do you feel about it? What is right to you is wrong to me, and what is wrong to me is right to you. And I love to, to take that challenge on with people, and, 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 and I like to give them something and, and, and then take it away from them and have them say, hey, wait a minute, that's mine. No, it's not, it's mine. It's, it's right in my eyes that it's mine. It's not yours anymore. But they say, but that's not right. It can't be both ways. You can't say truth is pervasive and that it, it goes with how I feel and then when somebody else uh, uh, enters your little bubble and it's all wrong, either is truth or there isn't truth. Either there's absolutes or there's not absolutes. Which is it, world? Let me tell you which it is. There is an absolute truth and His name is God. And he has spoken that truth. There is right. And there is wrong. And the standards are based upon his word. It's time that we get the word of God into the hands of people that don't know what honesty is. Society, of course, has reduced truth to personal preference as long as you're sincere. Christianity says truth is truth regardless of your preference to that truth. And by the way, you can be sincere about whatever and still be sincerely wrong. People have said that all you got to do to be saved is to be sincere in your belief. To which I tell you that you can be sincere all you want and still be lost. Sincerity will not save anybody. There's nothing in the Bible that says just be sincere about it and it'll all be okay. Nothing. So the last one I want you to hear is honesty is best developed when we take it serious. We're living in a world that doesn't take honesty serious anymore. It, it, it is pervasively watered down the truth to the point that anything and everything goes and, and, and we're, we're teaching that from the ground roots up and we see it in those that we look to as our leaders. It's time that we, the church, start making a difference. Honesty is best cultivated like most virtues when exercised and developed in harmony with other good virtues. The more honest we are, the more we exercise honesty in our lives, the more it becomes a settled disposition in our life that is not questioned, but it is a reality. It becomes, what I like to use the word, a conviction. A conviction is something that we get in our life that says this is unchangeable. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, this is how I have to respond. It's my conviction. We must consider these three words. Take it serious.
Take recognition of the fact that honesty is the fundamental ingredient ingredient for human exchange. It is a fundamental element for our integrity. It is the fundamental requirements for all followers of Christ. This morning in praying, you know, I love how the Lord just kind of works everything up. A few times during our prayer time right here at the altar before service, it was brought up that we be more than just hearers of the word, but doers. And I'm afraid a lot of us are hearing this morning, but I'm not sure that everybody's willing to do. So here's my challenge. I would challenge you as I challenge myself to live an honest life. Now hang on. I'm going to narrow the challenge just just a little bit for us all. I want to challenge you to live in complete honesty for the next 24 hours of your life. I want you to make sure that What that means is that you are living and speaking truth. So that for the next 24 hours, you refuse to lie, deceive, or shade the truth in even the slightest of ways. So what you have to say, not what you ought to say. Make your word your bond, match your walk with your talk. Isn't that the way we're supposed to be living as Christians anyways? Hang on. Keep your promises that you make. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Let me just remind you that this effort will not be easy. Because for many of us, we're going back tomorrow into the real world. Well, it may even be this afternoon. <laughs> Out into the world where they shade the truth. Where lies is just a part of everything. I, I guarantee you this will not be easy. You, you may look at it and say, Preacher, that's a, no, it's not going to be easy. It will require your total effort, your constant concentration, and a commitment to a principle. Another writer, I can't pronounce his last name, it's some Polish something or other, Alexander Solskinowski or something, said this, Many of you have already found out, and others will find out in the course of your lives, that truth invades, evades us if we do not concentrate with total attention on its pursuit. It will be difficult. But I guarantee you, it can be done. So let me close with yet another story. Another story about a child. About honesty. And here's how it goes. A 
a young lady was soaking up the Florida sun rays on a beach. And a little boy in his swimming trunks carrying a towel came up to her and asked her a series of questions. Here's what he asked. First, he said, do you believe in God? She was surprised by the question, but replied, why, yes, I do. Then he asked her, do you go to church every Sunday? Again, her answer was, yes, I do. Then he asked, do you read your Bible and pray every day? Again, she said, well, yes. By now, her curiosity was very much aroused. At last, the young lad sighed and said with obvious relief, Will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? You'll get that on the way home. He wanted to make sure she was trustworthy. She was honest. Likewise, God is looking for some honest people. People in whom he can trust. People in whom will be honest in all of their dealings. People whose walk matches their talk. People who keep the promises they make. People whose word is their bond. So for the next 24 hours or longer, will you be that person? A person of integrity? A person of honesty? A person who speaks the truth? Doesn't shade it? Doesn't compromise it? But speaks it and lives it? What does honesty look like? I hope that there's somebody in this room who would say that it looks like so-and-so. It looks like so-and-so. That there are people in this room that would say, when I think of honesty, I think of this person. It would be very sad if we could not find someone in this room that we thought was an honest person. I'm not talking about going out into the world. I'm talking about Jesus' followers. When he comes, will he find honesty? among his people. With that question being asked, what is, the off, uh, what is the invitation that we're playing? I surrender all. All right, that's fitting. All right, so how are we doing that? All right. As they're coming, would you stand to your feet? I want to just...